Thanks, everybody, for finding us. The latest edition of the All Lions podcast now available thanks to SI.com and Fan Nation. I am the Doc, John Macaroon. Looking forward to breaking down a lot of news and notes regarding the Detroit Lions one week after free agency. Now heading into the draft, my favorite time to talk about the Lions because all the rumors are going to be swirling and all the analysis, what the Lions are going to do after they made their free agency moves. So here today, I brought a great friend. He is the chief operating officer of Woodward Sports Network and the co-host of the Morning Woodward Show, my guy, Adam Baydoon. Adam, what's up, my friend? Thanks for joining me. I- I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to-, to-, to pick your brain regarding what the hell the Lions are going to do over the next 30 days. I appreciate it, John. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, before we get into the news and notes about the Lions, we have a lot of time for that. I'm definitely curious. Some news being made over there at Woodward. You're doing great things. I want to share with everybody how I came to find Adam. I was listening to another show, and all of a sudden some gentleman, a Middle Eastern man, calls up and is like, Hey, guys, what's going on? Everything's going well. You know, if you want an alternative, check out this new thing, Woodward Sports Network. And I'm like, wait a minute. And it was Adam. And it was a great way. I know this guy's hustling. He's doing great stuff. This, it's not just happenstance. It's not just luck that the guys over there and the gals, the hard workers over there at Woodward Sports are doing a, a lot of good things. They're in the community. They're doing great work. Adam's show airs every day, 8 to 10. And you can check it out on YouTube. All you got to do is find Woodward Sports Network. Adam, some news made at your show. Uh, you guys are bringing back a Detroit sports legend. I can't wait to uh, to understand what's going on. You guys are bringing back Terry Foster. What's going to happen next week starting on April 4th? Terry Foster, uh, the Detroit OG. Yep, he'll be back mornings with me, co-hosting alongside me and uh, Maddie, Monday through Friday, 8 to 10. I am extremely excited. Working with Terry, honestly, has been something it wasn't necessarily meant for the morning show and what we were doing in the morning, but... You know, this is something we were pursuing for the longest time, and it was never really able to get together, especially with football season. It's so chaotic, but eventually the way it played out was Terry was finally ready for that next step, and the stars aligned that the morning show is going in a new direction, and it's a perfect fit. Uh, I feel like me and Terry are a very good fit for each other. Uh, I'll tell him to shut the hell up a lot of times, so I think that's going to make for an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I think so, too. I think there's going to be a feel of some debates going on, some differences going on from the old school way a little bit and the new school analysis over there at Woodward. I think it's going to be a good mix. And I think the back and forth nature, just based on his appearances on the morning show and his appearances elsewhere across the network, I think is going to make for a lot of interesting and fun shows. And that's all you could ask for. Um, Just how would you summarize your time hosting that show and the time you spent now in the couple years at Woodward Sports? Oh, I mean, with the show, I started back August 12th, I think was my first day doing the morning show right before football season. It's been quite the ride. I was fortunate to do it alongside Kennedy Broadwater, and along with Jeff Ifredi. Obviously, everyone's currently familiar with him. He's my current co-host. It's been a hell of a ride. Went through the whole Lions football season. I made a lot of noise. 
the show's continuing to grow and I think people are starting to like the content that we're putting out not only in the morning but across the network so definitely feeling good about that and then of course being at Woodward for almost two years now you're starting to self-reflect you know everything we're building here a lot of people putting in a, a crap ton of effort uh, people that I, I don't think words will ever be able to truly justify or explain to them how, how deeply grateful I am to them so that's really been the the last year and a half, almost two years now at Woodward, where we're all trying to build something special for not only the people working here, but for the community, for the Detroit sports community, for everybody out there that gives a shit about Detroit sports the way we do. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys are doing great. Uh, great guests, great content, definitely uh, making a lot of noise and a lot of people are paying attention. And uh, you said it, the Lions going through the season, you made a lot of noise, you caught people's attention. And I, what I like is unabashed, Adam brings the noise. He understands what he's trying to deliver. And whether or not he's facing criticism on Twitter, he stands by what he says and he delivers it in a way that's understandable, relatable, and Definitely noteworthy, and so I'm looking forward to picking his brain. Uh, thank you again for having me. I know it took a, a year. I know you found me late, and I'm returning the favor a little bit faster than you guys did, but <laughs> I, I, I'll say this. I like everybody over there. Uh, you guys' crew is great, and if you put me on the air, then you know you got a friend and a supporter here, so I really enjoy it. And you got a lot of good things. You have a lot of interesting things. Your perspective is very unique and one that should be highlighted because you definitely understand you're a fan of the Lions. You've suffered with us. You've suffered along with the years and years, the multiple failed rebuilds, the coaches that have come in the bad decisions, the bad draft picks, the ups and the downs, having a quarterback that potentially many people liked and then trading him away and then seeing that player get success right away. You've lived and and been around everything going on with the Lions. So now we're at this point now with Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, and it's new. We're hearing the phrase that pays for the Lions now is culture. They brought back a lot of their own free agents, and they went out and found guys who they believe will be fits, and now it's not splashy, it's not sexy, it's not, they didn't bring in the, the high-priced, long-term guys that would make headlines. But I'm just curious, how did you make how the Detroit Lions made their decisions in Brad Holmes in regards to kind of finding players that are more in line with guys that want to prove it, have something to, to, to bring to the table, but not the most marquee guys? Yeah, I think it's very important, and I'm a big fan of the work Brad Holmes is doing right now because Lions fans need to be realistic. This team is not ready for a marquee free agent, and typically what happens when a team that's not ready goes after a marquee free agent, they overspend, and they commit long-term financially to a player that may not even be in his prime anymore by the time you figure it out. It's just not the way to go around the team. You build the team through the draft Brad Holmes getting the draft capital he did from the Matthew Stafford trade was step one. We've seen him work all the way up until now. He, he's really made sound decisions. I'm a fan of the quiet free agency period that the Lions have had. I, I don't want any big signings. I think it's very important that this team sticks to its philosophy, builds through the draft, 
drafts correctly like they did last season with Penny Sewell. Yes, the interior lineman didn't explode onto the scene, but okay, it's year two. We're not expecting Pro Bowl players across the board now. So it's a process I'm I'm willing to get behind on. It's definitely something different. This idea of culture has never sat well with me. And you know, just being nice and getting people to want to play for your team only does so much. You need to draft very good football players. You need to have very good football coaches. And those are two things the Lions have never experienced at the same time. We've either had some really talented players and some bum coaches. And to be honest with you, it's only worked in that way. Because I can't recall a time where we had a home run coach outside of maybe Mariucci, and he just walked into a bad situation. I don't recall the Detroit Lions having their Hall of Fame head coach, their decade-long franchise-changing coach that's never existed. And can that be Dan Campbell? We'll have to wait and see. But that culture can only be built through having good football players and winning on the football field. Yeah, absolutely. And at least at this point, we can say that the Lions have a plan. They're bringing in football people who want to be in the building, who want to be in Detroit, and they're building through the draft. And yes, you can debate it a little bit in regards to, look, you went out and you picked up DJ Chark, a wide receiver that has a history of injury, but you know, you picked him up and you signed him to a prove it deal. So he has incentive to go out there and perform at a high level. Now, do you take a risk that he's going to get injured? Yes, but that's, that's inherent with any football player at any moment in any single play, a player can get hurt. So I know it's overstated, but I think that this strategy has a chance to work when you say, okay, we're going to hit on the draft. But this is the double-edged sword in that history says that when you pick a player in the draft, the odds of them succeeding sometimes are long. And you only have so many top-end draft picks. So that's why the Stafford deal, these next four picks uh, in the first and second round that they're going to have over the next couple years are so key. You cannot make a Jeff Okuda mistake in with pick number two this year or pick number 32 or even pick number 34. These are the key moments. This is the sentinel time for Brad Holmes because this is the strategy. You're building through the draft. And he has, he has something, he has legs to stand on. That first draft produced players that by and large got on the field and gained experience. And so now me personally, I would have said, okay, you can expedite it just a little bit by adding maybe a Marcus Williams, maybe just a, a, a higher tier free agent, but I'm not terribly disappointed in the free agency moves, but man, you have confidence in Brad Holmes that just after one draft that he's going to be able to, in this year's draft, go out there and find the talent that he needs to make this thing happen. Because even though there's not a lot of pressure in year two, there's more than in year one, the free pass is over. Absolutely. And you pointed to my confidence in Brad Holmes. That comes from Obviously, some of the work he's done, and it's only been a year and a half, but a lot of that comes from I recognize what a good GM is. I look around the league and I see how they operate, and it doesn't take long. This is the NFL. It is the most parity-driven league, I could argue, in all of, all of major sports. There is a salary cap, and it's a damn difficult one to work around with at times. depends on who your GM is, but the point I'm trying to make really with that is – you got to look at Brad Holmes and say, all right, dude, if you're the guy, you will be able to get talent around this football team in two years. And then you can look the same at the head coach and say, all right, Dan Campbell, year one, free pass, no problem. Year two, improvement. And by year three, if you aren't showing 
the leaps and the growth and everything you want to see out of a good football coach, well, then you're going to be exposed for what you are, and then we'll move on. Yeah, and, and that's very fair, is that you have to let the plan work. So patience is key. But we all know, Adam, that the Lions fans are not patients. We hear it every day uh, when you check out Twitter, uh, social media. The phrase that everybody brings up is rebuilding since the 50s. But we have to. The Lions fans are just have to resign to the fact that this team is building through the draft. And you have a lot of picks, nine picks that can come in. And especially now with no, seeing the holes that you have, you know, at linebacker, at cornerback, you know, in, at safety. I do believe that a lot of the early draft picks are going to be allocated towards defense. But I'm curious. Now, you've seen free agency. You've seen the moves that that were made. It's been measured. Two players on offense, two players on defense who were brought in from other teams. You've signed and re-signed several of your own talent. You've kind of seen the landscape of what this Lions roster has and doesn't have. Are you kind of in in line with the idea that probably – Several of the top three to five picks maybe should address defense in regards to safety, cornerback, linebacker, adding depth on the defensive line. It just looks like that the Lions have done a good job of surrounding the offense with some talent, and the the biggest name free agent was a a wide receiver. But do you think that defense should be the the calling card right now, at least with two, 32, 34, and the, the, the early round picks shouldn't? the priority be defense when you look at the holes and the needs of this team? Absolutely. And you look at the free agent signings Brad Holmes has gone after, it's depth moves. It's nothing flashy. It's nothing sexy, but it it offers depth. And when I look at picks 2, 32, 34, and even 66 at this moment, even 97, I'm looking for an edge rusher, maybe even two. I'm looking for a safety I'm looking for a linebacker, maybe even two. And then the wide receiver aspect, that's where it gets tricky is at 32 or 34, is there going to be a wide receiver on the board that I just can't pass on? Do I expect that to happen? No. But I'd make the good case that 2, 32, and 34, you're going to get an edge rusher, safety, and then a linebacker. That would be my bet. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes sense is that the offense looks decent and you could go the other way though. Some could say, well, why not make the offense really something and target a wide receiver 32, 34, and potentially look at a quarterback at number two. So you and I, before we started talking, we all watched it. We all were glued to the television, Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. Now, the interesting aspect regarding Malik Willis is that we need to see, has he done enough in the pre-draft workouts to garner attention for other teams to potentially want to call up Brad Holmes and make a deal. Now, the Falcons made a move. Now, they've secured the services of Marcus Mariota, gave him a nice contract, but they still could be in the market for a quarterback. Other teams could be in the market for a Malik Willis, a Kenny Pickett, a Matt Corral. So how important do you think... It is potentially for the Lions to stay at number two because everyone says it, trade down, trade down, maybe take a Jordan Davis, but not at number two, get down to eight, nine, ten. Do you think this is the year that maybe the phones light up just a little bit more and is the player that could garner the attention Malik Willis? Because, man, you've seen it. The Georgia players have just jumped off the screen in regards to what they can do. But I think that if, if a player is going to be targeted that a team would maybe give up a couple draft picks for. I think it's for Malik Willis. 
Malik Willis just had an outstanding, very impressive pro day today. So that's a good thing for the Lions. And that's a good thing if they want to think about him at two. And it's a good thing if they're looking to trade back. And you have to look at the teams that are interested in a quarterback. Houston is sitting at three. They're not moving up. The next team is Carolina. Are they able to go after a player like Jimmy Garoppolo? Who knows? And then you have a team at number eight in Atlanta that just gave away Matt Ryan. They are absolutely in the quarterback market. And if they were, if they have just so happened to fall in love with Malik Willis, you have to be open to trading back. Do they have to trade back? Absolutely not. They can still select an edge rusher of their choice at number two overall. But if, again, you get a really good haul of picks for what, trading back four, six, ten slots. Well, damn it, you consider it. And if you do do it, you are still in a good position. I think where people lose me with trading back or not selecting an edge rusher at two is I lose. And, John, you understand this, I think, more than anybody. Every pick that goes by, I lose control of who I will be able to select. When you're picking at number two, you have the option to select any player on the board except whoever Jacksonville selects. If I trade back to eight or six, well, there's four or five players and then another six, seven that will go before I get to have my selection. And do I love a player at uh, six? Do I love a player at eight? You'd hope that the team does, but those are the conversations that you need to have when we're talking about trading back, but even at number two, you can look at, well, we don't need to take an edge rusher. This is a deep edge rushing class. Okay, let's say I play this game. Well, you take your quote-unquote quarterback or the safety out of Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton. Well, then what? You have to wait 30 picks, excuse me, 29 picks. 29 players will come off the board before you can select another edge rusher. Is it worth that risk? Who are you going to end up with at 32 that will make you feel so good about passing on Naden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker, George Karlaftis? That, uh, that's what makes this draft so interesting. The Lions have so many options, and a lot of them seem like the right option, but you're not committed to any of them. It definitely can go a lot of different ways in regards to staying at two, trading, maybe even packaging some picks in the future to get back. Don't discount the Lions getting three picks in the first round this year if they feel like there are a couple uh, players on defense that can be impactful. Because remember that you have to remember history in that Brad Holmes and Les Snead were not shy to trade away future capital for players that they want. Now, maybe they won't do it in the first round, maybe not in the second round, but there's a gap there, I believe, between the third and fifth round where there's a potential that they could get back in and make some additional moves. So I think there's going to be some movement. I think there's going to be some action with Brad Holmes. But now I'm curious because you're hearing it, Aiden Hutchinson probably odds-on favorite to go number one. Who do you think is the favorite right now to go number two? And, And after your favorite... Who's the one player the Lions cannot, absolutely cannot take at number two that would mess up the rebuild or mess up and would be too risky for the Lions to select that high? It's a great question. I believe the player most likely favored, just looking at big media consensus market, you're looking at a Malik Willis or Kyle Hamilton. And of the two, I think drafting Kyle Hamilton is a big Big step back for this rebuild. Not necessarily they can't win with him. Not necessarily that he can't be 
integral part of the defense. But when we talk about value, are the Detroit Lions going to be the same old Lions, the same old assholes that say, you know what? We're going to be the smartest people in the room. Maybe it's a good idea if we take the fucking safety at number two overall in a pass-heavy league. I mean, it just makes no sense. The game, the game of football is so simple yet so complicated. Get the quarterback, protect him, get him receivers, get to the quarterback if you don't have one on defense, and that is football summed up and make sure you have a good coach and GM. It's that straightforward. Yeah, Kyle, ha- <laughs> Kyle Hamilton – I think would be the most polarizing pick. I think you, you know, when you see his talent level, I think it could work out when you pair him with a Tracy Walker. But to sell him at number two would be very, very challenging because everybody's still scarred from what they saw with Jeff Okuda, and they want impact. And you know, right away, what what's a safety going to be really able to do? early on obviously he's not going to garner half the field early on in his rookie season and he's going to get of course not but but even even if you know i propose this on the morning show if you could trade the number two overall pick for tj watt would you do it you would say yes if you could trade it for any premier young edge rusher would you do it at chase young Everybody across the board would say yes. But if I ask you, would you trade the number two overall pick for Jesse Bates or Minka Fitzpatrick, you guys would all laugh at me. And that is the same conversation I think we need to be having about Kyle Hamilton at two. I think he's a fantastic player, but he is not right for the Lions right now, unfortunately. Okay, not right. But you'd be okay with Malik Willis. Why? Yeah, well, because I can hold my GM responsible, right? I'm a big Brad Holmes fan. Do I want to see them take Malik Willis? No, I still think they're one year away from getting the quarterback. All of the moves he has made has pointed me in the direction of we're going to support Jared Goff. Next year, we will make the decision whether or not we're going to move on with Jared Goff or we're going to draft a rookie, sit him for a year, and take, let's say, the Kansas City route that John Dorsey, who obviously is in the building right now with the Detroit Lions, took back when he was with Kansas City. So that's the timeline I see. But, John, you've been around it just as long as I have. If a team falls in love with a quarterback, John, they're taking him. And if Brad Holmes loves Malik Willis, damn it, he should take him. Now, you mentioned it, and and it leads me perfectly into what I want to talk about because you posted something very interesting just prior to our conversation. You mentioned John Dorsey, and, yes, he's in the room. A former general manager, very respected, highly regarded personnel individual and front office member now working hand in hand with with um, Brad Holmes. So a player has now come available in quarterback Baker Mayfield because the Browns have invested heavily in Deshaun Watson. So Baker Mayfield is on the market and knowing that you're not a fan at all of Baker Mayfield, you've said it on multiple platforms and I'll quote here, I'd rather get intimate with a zebra than the Lions trade for Baker Mayfield. Why are you so staunchly against a player? Maybe if I could push back a little bit. Now, I generally agree with you, but I will push back for the sake of this. Doesn't Baker Mayfield sound like a guy that could get into that room that sounds like what the Lions are looking for? Somebody that's going to be highly motivated. Somebody that's offended that he did all this work for the Cleveland Browns played with a damn near detached shoulder and tried his hardest to prove his toughness only to have his job ripped from him. Don't you think that in in an insulated, supportive environment 
with the individual who drafted him. Don't you think in that environment, at some point, the Lions have to take a chance and say, look, this is a a former top first-round pick. This is somebody that if we develop a run game, if we have certain things that we're going to give to Jared Goff, at the very least, I was thinking this. Okay, you bring him in. It's maybe not cost that much. What a quality backup you could have for Jared Goff for one year if the situation and the deal is right. Why not consider trying trying a reclamation project with quarterback Baker Mayfield? The first is his name is Baker, right? So I, I look for <laughs> really to get very offended by quarterbacks. His middle name is Regan. Um, <laughs> jokes, jokes aside, look, Baker Mayfield, once upon a time, two seasons ago, had a pretty decent year. Uh, actually, you know what? No, I'm underselling you. He had a very good season. 3,500 yards passing. He was a good play-action quarterback. Only threw eight interceptions. Got them a playoff win. But he is essentially Jared Goff. They're one and the same. They're in that Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins ballpark. of They're just good, average quarterbacks. They're not franchise guys. And when we talk about giving up any picks, let alone for a quarterback, even if it's a one-year deal, um, I'm not a fan of Baker. I mean, this is a guy who... You know, whether people want to take personal interaction into account, this is a guy that's run away from the police. This is a guy that's <laughs> way too much junk for, let's be honest, the CEO of a franchise. That is the CEO position. You represent that franchise, and he's done nothing but represent them in a cocky, arrogant way. Every single season since his rookie year, his yards per game has gotten down. He's thrown more interceptions now. It's just ridiculous at this point. He's a guy that is a tough kid. He's definitely talented. He can be a serviceable quarterback if you're looking for a bridge, but Detroit already has that bridge quarterback, and I know I'm a bit dramatic and over the top sometimes, and I would prefer to be sexually engaged with the Zebra than to have him on the roster, but the point is that is not the guy. That is not the answer. That is just, I, I feel that is a waste of a, a pick it is a waste of a decision and is that a guy that fits in with quote-unquote the culture that you're trying to build here a a selfish player a guy that couldn't get it done with Odell Beckham Jarvis Landry a great offensive line a great run game a very good defense a young innovative offensive-minded head coach that that is disappointing to me and I'd stay away okay Uh, so no Baker Mayfield no fun no drama Adam (laughs) Adam says stay away from the former Cleveland Browns quarterback. I can't wait to see where he lands. Now, the, the the crazy part is he wanted to go to Indy. That's not happening. If he lands at Seattle, it's actually an offensive line that's worse. It's going to be horrible. I don't see them doing it and, and, and being successful. So you just feel bad for a Baker Mayfield because, in essence, you know, the situation in Cleveland just ended abruptly and boom, he's done. And now it'll be interesting to see what the second chapter of his career now looks like. But you said it. You brought it up. It's the marquee position. It's the thing. This, you know, we we could talk about draft picks. We can talk about free agents, head coaches. The position, the number one spot that's most important that the Lions, you know, will need to address in the future and maybe sooner rather than later, is the position at quarterback. Jared Goff, year two, what are you expecting? I know you don't believe he's the long-term answer, but is there a quarterback, if it's not Malik Willis, 
that you maybe have targeted next year? Is it Bryce Young? Do you see anybody that you go maybe has the potential that the Lions would love that has a total package with an arm, with mobility, with the professionalism to be the CEO of the team? Me, I like Edge. I think, it, you know, we've seen now 13 years of a quarterback that's been buttoned up and very corporate. I'm more in line with a Brett Favre with a highly charged, highly emotional person that can galvanize a locker room. I, I I don't definitely have a lot of confidence in Jared Goff in terms of the highest level of success that he has, but I know that Brad Holmes is tasked with that front office personnel staff to find the next guy. Who is it and what can we expect at least in year two with Jared Goff with with a lot of with a with a lot more weapons? Year two Jared Goff needs to look like this. Win totals and if you want to equate quarterback wins, I, I don't I don't care either way, but Year two, they've got to win a minimum of six, and I think they can get as high up as nine wins this year. Now, what's his season going to look like? I'm looking for 3,800. 4,100 would be incredible if he even eclipsed 4,000, but we'll have to wait and see there. I'm looking for 23, 24 touchdowns. Less than 10 interceptions would be ideal, but 10, 11, I could live with in a 17-game schedule. And I expect this offense to be very run-dependent. I expect this offense to control the clock. So would Jared Goff make smart decisions? Don't put your team in a bad situation. And I think they're going to be able to win anywhere from six to nine games. Now, who is that quarterback? Who is that guy? Look, we just watched Malik Willis's pro day, and he made some great throws. That's all great and nice. Zach Wilson made those same goddamn throws last year. If quarterback was an innate, perfect science, John, every team in the NFL would have one. It's just such a difficult position to evaluate because we're talking some of the greatest athletes in the world. They can all throw it. They can all rip it. They can all maneuver. And my my theory is you had Matthew Stafford, like you said, for 12 years, buttoned up guy, quiet. Well, he left for one season and he didn't change much. And they won. Why? Because he walked into a situation that was ready for him. What are the Detroit Lions doing to position themselves when they breathe, when they eventually do bring in that rookie, are they coming into a good situation? The GM knows what he's doing. The head coach, I don't know, can actually coach instead of being a jackass like Jim Schwartz, being too nice like Jim Caldwell, and then just being a fat piece of shit like Matt Patricia. Those, those are the questions that need to be asked because a lot of your success in the NFL, especially at quarterback, is where do you land? Who's your coach? What's the front office look like? Is there stability? Is there communication? Do I have an offensive line? Do I have receivers to throw to? That that will dictate their success more than anything. We could say Bryce Young. We could say C.J. Stroud, the kid out of Clemson. There's always going to be two, three guys that shoot up the board next year that nobody knows of right now or nobody at least isn't talking about. So uh, it's more of a wait and see. I think they're a year away from taking a quarterback, but they could prove me wrong. Ah, I've enjoyed our Lions talk with Adam Baydoon, the Chief Operating Officer at Woodward Sports. Follow him on Twitter at A-D-H-A-M-B-E-Y-D-O-U-N, Adam Baydoon. Check out all the happenings at Woodward Sports, woodwardsports.com. Go over to YouTube as well, everything archived. You can replay all my appearances, which have been stellar across my half dozen appearances on that network. So check them out. They're doing great things. Before I let you go... If we're talking again a year from now, March 22nd, 2023, 
and Woodward Sports is a year older. What do you want to accomplish now in the next 12 months? What's your vision? I'm definitely curious because you're somebody that's doing important things. You've made noise. You, you, you have a stronghold. You have an opportunity to grow this thing. You have great talent. It's fun. And you have great entertaining guests. And it's a fun project. So a year from now, what's your vision? What are you thinking for Woodward Sports over the next 12 months? Fill me in. A year from now, I mean, last last year, the last 12 months, we did 21 million views as a network. I want to get that 4X up to 80 million north, close to 100 million if possible. We want to deliver a YouTube channel that is absolutely everything this town has always wanted. We want to reach 100,000 uh, subscribers on the YouTube channel. We want to be in the hundreds of thousands across the social media, of course. But more than the numbers, more than the accomplishments, we want to build a community. We want to build content we want to build something special that this beautiful sports town has always asked for and it's a big reason why we're here and by then a year from now when we're having this conversation we're gonna hopefully look back and say man you know what this last football season was crazy we went through the whole season the draft the lions and here we are sitting at all these great numbers but more importantly we've hired more people there's more people making an income working here at Woodward Sports Network. Our shows are getting better. Our shows are becoming more familiar. We're on more radio stations. Uh, that That is the ultimate goal. It's a people thing, man. It's all about when you work in an executive position like I do here, it's all about the people you have around you. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm just the guy that, yeah, sure, I do a ton of stuff and I'm responsible for everything. But man, without the guys that do the audio, do the video, handle the social like there's so many factors that go into this type of company and how it operates uh i'm i work for all these people they don't work for me man adam Baydoun, thank you so much joining us latest edition of the all lines podcast woodward sports pay attention they're gonna find you don't worry they'll be there and they cover all things detroit sports and it's a great network and adam is doing great things check them out morning woodward show with terry foster starting april 4th 8 a.m must watch viewing, appointment viewing every morning. Have a cup of coffee, check out Adam and Terry and all the great staff over there at Woodward Sports. Make sure you find the All Lines podcast anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Thanks everybody. We'll check back in soon. Breaking down all things related to the Detroit Lions. I'm John Macaroon. Thanks everybody.